First Methodist Mansfield. My name is Johnny Brower. I serve as one of the pastors here, and I'm so glad to be in worship with you today. Glad to be here uh, filling in for Pastor David um, as we begin this new series, Be Rich. If this is your very first time in worship with us at First Methodist Mansfield, I want to extend a very special welcome to you and, and would love for you as soon as the service is over to drop by our connecting point just outside um, just outside this room so that we can have the opportunity to meet you. And for everybody here on the way in, hopefully you received a, a bulletin. Um, if you will take that bulletin and look on the back, you'll see some blank lines there that is titled notes. Um, that is for you to write down anything that was encouraging for you today, any way that God spoke to you um, to kind of be an active listener and, and things for you to reflect on as you leave from this place uh, today. Also, at the bottom of that page, you'll find a website, growpraystudy.org. Highly encourage you to check that out if you haven't already. That is a daily devotional guide that is produced in-house by our pastors to coincide directly with our sermons and sermon series. This week, as you heard in the video announcements, if you were here for those, that uh, you should have received a packet in the mail. Um, and if you did receive it, that's not news to you because you have it. Uh, but inside uh, that packet, uh, the contents of which um, are some materials from Pastor Mike and Pastor David uh, that highlight this series that we are beginning today. And one of those things um, in there was a book entitled Be Rich uh, by Andy Stanley. Now, we think this is one of the best books that is ever written on the subject um, of Christians and money. And it speaks to us, um, and we know it'll speak to you as well. So um, asking you to please take the time to read it. Um, it is a very easy read. And I know for everybody in here is like, oh, I hate to read. And everybody always says it's an easy read. It really is an easy read. It's about 125 pages worth of reading, really short pages with really big words, lots of space in there. And if you start today, if you start today, all you have to do is read four and a half pages a day to be finished with it by the end of the series. That sounds doable, don't you think? I think you can. Four and a half pages a day. I know you can do it. And after you're done and as you're reading it, uh, I hope that you're talking about it with your family, talking about it with your spouse, talking about it with your friends, and, and, and most importantly, that you're talking about it with God because there's a lot of good stuff in here and I know you'll be blessed by that wisdom. If you did not receive one of those packets um, that has that information and the book um, inside of it, um, we will have extra packets um, at all of the connecting points throughout the weekend. Uh, would love for you to stop by there and get you one. So this weekend we are beginning a new series entitled Be Rich and in it we are asking ourselves the question, what does it mean to be rich. In our world, it can be defined in many ways, but most often it means someone who has a lot of money, whatever that means. Uh, for some, rich means a billion dollars. For others, it's a million. And for some, it may be as little as a hundred dollars to be considered rich. And however we might define earthly riches, we find that the Bible is less concerned about how much money we have than, how, than what we do with our money. The Bible is less concerned with how much money we have. Rather, it is concerned with what we do with our money. And the Bible has a lot to say about money. Money is mentioned over 800 times throughout our scriptures, so it must be important. One of my seminary professors says that. If it's repeated, it's important. If it's repeated, it's important. If it's repeated, it's important. Very good. Somebody would pass the class. Excellent. Um, 
So we're going to take a look at one of those scriptures now. It's kind of going to be the foundation, the basis through which we're going to, we're going to walk through for the rest of these uh, four weeks. Uh, it comes from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 through 19. I encourage you to turn in your Bibles there now. If you brought a Bible, um, it's in the New Testament. It's closer to the back, 1 Timothy. Uh, it's right before 2 Timothy. Um, man, Bible jokes are just falling flat today. <laughs> Note to self, not a Bible comedian. Um, if you have your digital Bible with you, it's really easy. Just click First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 through 19. Uh, this particular book of the Bible is actually a letter, and it is thought to be written by the Apostle Paul to his apprentice in ministry, Timothy. And the letter's intent is to instruct Timothy on how and what to teach those that Timothy was called to lead. Um, so we're going to take a look at this passage, if you would. Take a look with me now. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 through 19. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. May God add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of God's word. Thanks be to God. Pray with me. O oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. Send your Holy Spirit into this place that this finite human with his finite words may attempt to present you the infinite. Amen. So when I was younger, um, I could not wait to be rich. I would watch shows like Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous with Robin Leach, um, if you remember that, um, and, and see these incredible homes or, or, or palaces, <laughs> rather, uh, and I would wonder, what is it like? What would it be like to be rich, I wonder? One such show that I watched while I was in high school uh, was called MTV Cribs. Now, I don't know if any of you were ever aware of this show or watched it. Probably not. I was probably the only one. <laughs> yeah, you did? <laughs> um, I know some of you in the room are familiar with the show. Uh, but those of you that aren't familiar with MTV Cribs, uh, it was a show that allowed the viewer to take a tour of homes of celebrities and rock stars and athletes. And I would look on in awe and wonder of their video game rooms with just a screen so big I couldn't even imagine it. And if I was playing the video game, it felt like I was in the video game itself. They had studios and music rooms in their houses with, with priceless vintage guitars. They had fleets of cars, one for every day of the month. And they were all shiny and brand new, looked like they had never been driven. Uh, they had their own private indoor sports facilities, exotic animals, and huge TVs in every corner of their house and yard. Bathrooms and closets and kitchens that were bigger than my entire house. And I looked at all of that and I thought, one of these days, one of these days, I might be that rich. And that's going to be pretty cool. I'm going to invite all my friends over. We're going to play my giant video games. We're going to watch TV in the yard. It's going to be awesome. 
It would be so nice to be rich. Now, as an adult, I became a little more humble and a little more pragmatic. And having 10 cars and a hot tub in every room of my house and 20 TVs around sounded really absurd to me. But though I outgrew much of my childish longing for extreme extravagance, my discontent or relative discontent with what I did have and my longing for more, I did not outgrow that. I would look around my house and I couldn't help but notice how small it was. I dreamed of the day when it could be just a a little bit bigger. I looked at my car and though I didn't want really anything exotic, I don't want to drive a Ferrari or anything, I I couldn't wait to afford something a little bigger than my, my modest car. Even though it was fairly new, I just wanted something a little bit nicer. I wished my backyard and my bathroom and my kitchen were all a little bit larger. I would love to afford a a larger cable package for my TV so that I could watch any sport I wanted to from any country around the world at any time that I wanted to. I wished my clothes were a little nicer. I want my grass to be just a little bit greener, figuratively and literally. I didn't want to be filthy rich. I just wanted to be a little richer. I was happy I was happy and, and I was grateful that I, that I had what I did, but I really wasn't all that grateful because I was always looking forward, looking past my surroundings and forward to the things that I, that I didn't have, that I, that I wish I did. And it wasn't until about a year ago that my entire, in my entire view of rich was changed. So this time last year, my wife Holly and I were in our fourth week uh, of living in a hotel Uh, in Kampala, Uganda, where we were um, adopting our son, Charlie, which actually, um, this past Friday, October 24th, was the one-year anniversary we were granted legal guardianship, which is a pretty cool anniversary to be celebrating this weekend. Um, But we were there, um, and we were supposed to only have been there for three weeks, um, but we were were finishing up our fourth week, which was going to be a total of six weeks eventually. And there's nothing like living... Uh, in another part of the world, a different culture with different priorities that will help you put things uh, into perspective a little bit. Our idea of rich changed, not because, um, not because Uganda is poor by any stretch of the imagination, but because we lived without so many of the things that we considered essential to our life. Things that we took for granted. And we witnessed and lived among an entire country that lived without these things every single day and did not feel the loss of those things. Internet was very hard to come by. And I needs my internet. (laughs) My, My life relies heavily on the internet because it can in America. My job, my communication with others is all through the internet. So it felt very weird to suddenly not have uh, have access to it and not be able to rely on the internet for entertainment or communication or anything. Electricity was also somewhat unreliable, which I guess was pretty pretty normal over there. We were living in the capital city um, of the country and it was not unusual for the electricity to simply cease to exist for a couple days out of the week. There was actually one week where the large part of the city that we were living in was without power for four straight days. 
We didn't have a car. We didn't really trust the water coming out of the tap. We didn't speak the language. There was no Target. There was no Starbucks. There was no Chick-fil-A. And our suitcase was our closet. And it all sounds so silly right now saying that. It sounded silly when I was writing that. Yet our lives have become so accustomed to even the most modest of luxuries that living without them was quite an adjustment. The crazy part was this, that the, the, the humbled life that we were living over there in Uganda was probably more luxurious than the vast majority of the population. And again, I want you to say it wasn't that they were necessarily missing it. It's just we were pitying ourselves when we're like in a pretty good spot over there. They did not consider themselves poor, the people that we came into contact with. They were providing for their families. They had roofs over their heads. Uh, It is not the life that Holly and I were accustomed to, but it lacked the luxuries that we had come to consider normalcies. Luxuries that we had considered normalcies. But to them, they were rich because they had food, and they had walls and a roof, and and they had a job. Thanks to our time in Uganda, Holly and I realized how rich we actually were. Again, not because Uganda is, is so poor, but because we recognized the luxuries that we lived with every day that we took for granted. Before Uganda, we were rich, and we didn't even know it. We were rich even though we didn't feel rich. And I think that's the problem, that our world's definition of rich is is so abstract. It's such a fictitious goal. It's a moving target, and it's completely unattainable because because as soon as we have what we want, pretty soon we're going to want more or, or something different or something newer. And when we fail to recognize how rich we really are, when we fail to recognize how rich we really are, rich will always be somebody else. It'll always be something else. It'll always be outside of what actually exists in our world. And our life will never be whole like their life is whole. Because they have it all. And I don't have much. Our scripture for today says to not put our hope in earthly riches. For they are so unreliable. So uncertain but instead to put our hope in God who richly provides us with everything we could ever need and to do good, in fact, to be rich in good deeds and be generous and willing to share with all. Our scripture today is a call for a seismic shift in our understanding of what it means to be rich. We must first recognize that we are rich That's kind of the basis of this. We're going to start today with this recognition that we are rich, and that's what we're going to build off of over the next couple weeks. And that, for us, requires an attitude adjustment. Has anybody ever said that to you before when you were a kid? You need an attitude adjustment, Mr. or Mrs. That requires for us an attitude adjustment. The most important change for Holly and I returning from Uganda, other than the fact that we became parents, was that we no longer allowed ourselves to become fixated on the things that we didn't have or wish we had or dreamed of. Instead, we adopted an attitude of gratitude. That rhymes on purpose, and I I love it. Because for the rest of the night, you're not going to be able to get that out of your head. Attitude of gratitude. Attitude of gratitude. 
of gratitude. I am so thankful that I live in a house. I have a roof over my head. I have walls around me. Whether you live in an apartment or a house, wherever, you, you have shelter. That is important. I'm so thankful for that. And guess what? My house has a heater and air conditioning in it. How cool is that? If it's hot outside, I make it cold in my house. If it's cold outside, I can make it hot in my house. And my electricity, my electricity stays on most of the time. Most of the time it's there and I can rely on it. It doesn't go out every other day. Also, I don't know if you knew this, but did you know that I can take my trash and put it out by the side of the road and somebody will just come pick it up? That's kind of cool to me. People will just pick up my trash and take it away from me. I'm so thankful that I have clean water that flows right into my house. All I have to do is turn on the tap and there's clean water. You know what? In fact, I have so much clean water that sometimes I just feel like spraying it all over the ground outside. That's how much clean water I have. Did you know that in other parts of the country, some people have to walk miles to get water? And that's their water for the day, and they do that every day. That's just a fact of life. I mean, that's not meant to make you feel guilty. I'm not saying stop using your water tap. I'm just saying I'm thankful that there's clean water that I can rely on directly in my house that I don't have to walk to go get. I'm thankful that if I were to do something dumb and my house were to catch on fire, that there are people that live around here that it's their whole job to just wait for houses to catch on fire and come put them out. There's people that do that. I don't have to rely on my own firefighting skills to save my home. I am thankful for the medical facilities at my disposal if I were to get sick. I'm so thankful that my house is so big. I'm going to tell you how big my house is. That Holly and I do not have to share a room with our son. That's how big my house is. He gets to have his own room. That's cool. That's cool to me. That's cool for him too. He can have his own room. Tell you what, I'm also, this is something that's really cool. I, I have my own car. And I only work a mile from my house. Now that is luxury. That is luxury. That I have a car that will get me to and from my work that is only a mile away. I am so thankful that I grew up and had access to free education. And that my son will grow up and have free education. Do you know how I know I'm rich? And, and I, I'm guessing that most of you in here are probably rich as well is because I have sat in my closet full of clothes and wondered what the heck I was going to wear and often thought, I have nothing to wear. That's funny and sad all at the same time. I am rich, and now I know it. The truth is, you are rich too. You may not feel rich, you may not think you're rich, but you are rich, and almost all of you are richer than you say, uh, than you think. And I, and, and I don't say these things to make you feel guilty. You aren't supposed to feel guilty that you have running water or you're in your home or that you have a vehicle that gets you to work. Uh, don't feel guilty that you have some choice in what you want to wear every single day because guilt rarely accomplishes anything. Instead, the goal is gratitude. And gratitude is powerful because great things flow from a heart of gratitude. Great things flow from a heart of gratitude. Life-changing things flow from a heart of gratitude. World-changing things flow out of a heart of gratitude. So, 
over the next couple weeks, we're going to be focusing on this word rich. Not how to get rich, but rather how to be rich. Because it's not about what you have, rather it's what you do with what you have. And it all starts with a simple attitude adjustment, an attitude of gratitude that reveals to us how rich we already are and turns our focus from consumption to generosity. Let's pray. Oh God, our provider, you are so rich in love and mercy, and we are thankful that you give so freely of your abundant love. Teach us to be generous as you are generous. And let us not be consumed by what we wish we had, but rather give, give with grateful hearts. Give us those grateful hearts to, to appreciate the luxuries of life that we so often overlook because out, it is out of a grateful heart that our generosity blossoms. We thank you, God, for that gift of love and mercy. May it affect our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.